0: welcome to the community church podcast today we have a special message from guest speaker craig peters and i'll let pastor mike introduce him in just a minute today craig will be teaching from luke 14 verses 15 through 24 about god's great banquet thanks for joining us and without further ado here's pastor mike
1: we have a really wonderful special guest craig peters is going to be with us this morning craig was was here about a year ago and, uh, and I think at that time, you know, so many, so our missions committee heard his heart, heard his mission. Man, we want to we partner with him. And, um, and I'm so thankful for Craig for his ministry as a pastor for a number of years and just has, uh, as we talk about ministry and missions, one of the things that's really significant is, is a lot of times we think of a very traditional view of missionaries. We have Americans we send overseas and, and we try to get them to be able to, to do ministry in reaching that community. And we're often dealing with these huge uh, obstacles of of language and culture, and because you know, this isn't, you're not reaching the culture that you know. And, And over time, you have people that are starting to realize there are national believers overseas that are trying to reach their own people, but oftentimes they don't have the training, they don't have the experience, they don't have the resources to do that. And so, there's more and more ministries that are stepping into the space that we're saying, hey, what we want to do is instead of going over there and reaching those people, we want to go and equip the local pastors and give them training, give them resources so that they can more effectively reach people in their own culture. And I know Craig went on a trip and, and caught, got the heart of that to the point where it was like, man, I need to do this full time. God's calling me away from what, what he was doing and toward this, toward this ministry. And, and I'm so excited about that, about what Craig is doing, about this whole ministry, Equip International. And uh, so before he comes, I want to encourage you to just take a, a moment. Here's a little video that will tells you a little bit about what Equip does and, um, and just to introduces that ministry. Before he comes, let me encourage you to, to put your eyes to the screen.
0: Good morning, church. It is always good to be with you. Uh, So thankful for the time that I had last year to be able to come and encourage and share the word of God. I want to thank Pastor Mike for having us in, as well as uh, Don and Bonnie. They work behind the scenes for the missions conference. And so thankful. If I could just take a minute and say thank you for coming alongside, praying for us, supporting us in our ministry. If every missionary that is on that lobby today could come up here, they would say this. We cannot do ministry the way God would want us to do it if it wasn't for your help, if it wasn't for your prayers. And so don't take that lightly. Uh, We truly are thankful for people that come alongside and uh, share our vision. And we call people like you champions, because you really are. And you may say, well, I haven't done much. The fact that you're praying for us alone, we sense that we know it as we're out on the field. I have the great privilege of being the executive director of Equip Ministries International. We have only been around since 2018, but we are in seven countries now, soon to be eight countries. I was telling somebody after the first service, every week we get somewhere between 10 and 15 requests online to come and do training in various countries. So the need is great. And we are training overseas pastors and church leaders. We are providing materials in their language, which they do not get. We think that the internet is just, hey, it's just English. And the majority of it is. But there are virtually no resources for someone in Cambodia or Myanmar or or Thai. It is very difficult to find those resources. And we've been able to be able to create some resources to be able to give to them. And that sets them up for a long time. You've heard that saying uh, uh, that a picture can paint a 1,000 words. words. What you just saw paints 10,000 words uh, of what is going on overseas. And you may never be in Cambodia. You may never be in Honduras or you may never be in Kenmore. Just kidding. Um, but you, you will probably find yourself, there are people around you where you can be a missionary. And that's why this missions conference isn't just about over there. It's also about right here and how God is working in this area, in this region. And so I want to be able to just share that a little bit with you today before we launch into God's word. If you would just give me a little bit uh, of time to be able to share with you the need for training overseas pastors and church leaders uh, and also the need for resources Uh, to get them into their hands, that is happening. Pastors are being trained. Pastors are getting resources. And so um, when when I go to a country like Malawi, Africa, and a man refers to Antioch, the city of Antioch in the book of Acts, as a person, I know he needs training. When I hear a man, and I'm in a church, and the church is packed in Africa, and that man has four pages, from the book of Zephaniah, that's it. When was the last time you read Zephaniah? Some of you are like, I'm not even sure where it's at, you know? Zephaniah, I know that man needs training. So my wife would say this, I love when a missionary comes and they open up the word of God and and it's just a great time. But she said, you know what I want more than anything else? I want to hear stories from the road. I want to hear stories from the field of how God is making an impact overseas. And so we're going to do both today. I'm going to give you some stories of how God is working in a miraculous way. And you can see more of that going out into the lobby and seeing all the different uh, missions organizations and as well as equip. Let me give you a couple of pictures here. Uh, let me just, well, let me share that, that first. Uh, this is something that is heavy on my heart and something that I cannot answer for you. I have to answer for me. What motivates you to get up every day, of every week, of every month, throughout every year, and do something that will make an impact, not just for today, but for eternity? Mike shared, in 2016, I was in Hong Kong working with the underground church, and I was so gripped by their need for training that I was back in my hotel room on my knees, and I said, Lord, I'm at Maranatha Bible Church as long as you want me to be there but if you would ever change that, allow me to impact the lives of pastors and church leaders. And I feel like the Lord answered that before I even got off my knees. Um, By the way, Mike, did you know you and I served together for a week out at Camp Carl in Ravenna, Ohio? Yeah, yeah. You had hair back then, and I was just a goofball, but uh, (laughs) we served together, and I don't know if you remember that. So um, let me give you some pictures this morning. So this man is from Guatemala, and this man has a church. Uh, he had very little training. He could not afford to go into Guatemala City for training. Uh, there was nothing around him. And he began to come to Equip Ministries training that we have in Guatemala. Uh, this man, at the end of his graduation, and you saw in the video the gowns that we give, and it's a, we give everyone a John MacArthur study Bible in their own language. And it sets them up, the footnotes, everything. And I was with this man uh, just uh, the beginning of this year, and I saw he still had his John MacArthur Bible. And I opened it, and when I opened it, I gasped. It was so underlined, and words circled, and things in the margin. This man is loving the word of God, and he is able to rightly divide the word of truth. And this is just one of hundreds, if not thousands, of pastors that are being trained overseas. You'll notice here that... uh, He doesn't have anything in his church. He's got nothing hanging up. There's nothing, you know, there's no bells and whistles in his church. But he does have two certificates from Equip Ministries International that he's got. And for us, we're just running it off and giving it to him. But for him and his people, it means credibility that he is being trained to rightly divide the word of truth and studying God's word. He is equipping the saints the work in the ministry. Here's another picture. These are some guys. uh, Some of them are from Haiti. Some of them are from the Dominican Republic. Was there uh, early this year. 120 pastors gathered together. They hadn't met uh, for a good year because of COVID. So when they came in, they were wound up. And they were all excited. And there's one man in that picture that came to me after the very first session, our first evening, with tears in his eyes. He grabbed my arm. And he spoke to me in Spanish. And I didn't, have a, I didn't understand one word he was saying, because I don't know a lot of Spanish. Mi, mi, mi espanol es muy poquito. That's it. My Spanish is very little. And he, he took me over to a translator. And he told the translator, if this was the only training I got, just this training, it has changed everything. He said, because I was ready to leave ministry next week. I was done. And I realized I need to stay in the fight. That's what God is doing when we go out and we're able to train these pastors. Some of you may say, well, man, I'd love to travel with you. Well, we don't just travel in nice places. Sometimes we go into some really hard places. We're traveling four hours into a jungle setting here in Guatemala. These are some of the pastors that have gathered. We're in a jungle church. Uh, pastors that have uh, come two to three hours from up in the mountains. They speak a language called Cachi. And so I am speaking, a Spanish person is translating, a person who knows Kachi, and then that goes to the people. So it's a long process. And so this is just a jungle church, and many times in a jungle church, there are things that come into the jungle church. And so I was teaching not too long ago. This was just in August, and I was teaching, and all of a sudden, the people's eyes did this. And I knew it was something behind me. And I'm thinking, what's going on? They're like, and so there's a tarantula. Okay, and did you know tarantulas jump? I did not know that. I know that now. Okay, but they jump, and so uh, we are in many, many different places because the need is great. And pastors and church leaders, they're not getting what we get here. We have a we have a seminary and a Bible college around every corner, but there, they don't or they can't afford it. So, one more. So uh, you may not be able to see this very well, but this uh, every single pastor that we train in uh, this the rest of this year and going forward will get what we call a pastors resource packet. This is loaded with a solar powered light because many of them don't have electricity. Commentaries on John, uh, Ephesians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, a study for new believers, a Bible reading plan, outlines of the New Testament, all in their language. Now, can you imagine when a pastor has only four pages from the book of Zephaniah, how much that will impact his life? And so we are, our goal right now is we're wanting to reach 400 pastors in the first eight months of our ministry in 2023 at $50 for a pastor's resource packet. It ends up being $20,000 that, Lord willing, uh, we will be able to raise and be able to bless these pastors. We'll talk more about that down the road, but uh, take a minute, if you would, and turn with me to Luke 14 this morning. If you have a copy of God's word or uh, electrical uh, device that you can use, Luke 14. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite passages in all of scripture, but this is also a passage that many of us kind of just uh, gloss over, and we read it, and we think, okay, and we move on. There is so much here for us, and as certainly as it pertains to missions this morning, and this is a parable that Jesus will share before we get into that, though we need to have some context. That is very important, Uh, and I will ask this question, how many of you have ever been invited at some time... To go somewhere to see someone for some reason. Just raise your hand. Yeah, I think all of us have. And some of them are general invitations where you are invited to your fourth cousin's birthday party or a graduation or a retirement party, uh, something like that, maybe even a wedding. But there are times when someone invites us to be a part of something. That it can completely change our life. It's once in a lifetime opportunities that come our way. And those opportunities, if we accept them, can very well change the course and direction of our life. And if we reject that invitation, it very well can change the course and direction of our life as well. And so, Jesus, in Luke 14 shares a parable, and to help you to understand what leads up to that parable, in the beginning of Luke 14, Jesus is invited to the house of a religious ruler, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. And it seems as if there are many teachers of the law that have gathered, and they're kind of reclining and they're talking and they're sharing about, hey, when there's a wedding, uh, don't take the seat of honor. Let somebody else give you that seat. Don't just assume that you're of the seat of honor. And when there is a banquet, don't just invite your friends and, you you know, your your, uh, uh, relatives and your family because they'll be expected to repay you. But at the banquet, invite the lame and the blind and the poor and the crippled because they cannot repay you. And so they're talking about all this. This is just a setup. And in verse 15 it tells it that there is a teacher of the law that is reclining at one of the tables and he makes this statement. Verse 15, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And we're like, okay, let's just read on. Hold on. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This man is Jewish. This man is a Pharisee. This man is a teacher of the law, and this man, in what many commentators will say, in a very pompous and arrogant way, is making a statement, what do you see right after the word God in your Bible? An explanation point. And we use an explanation point either to shout or to emphasize something. And I can imagine he is saying, well, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But when he is referring to everyone, he is referring only to the Jewish people, the Jewish people, as if to say, hey, we're descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we're God's chosen people, we're the holy ones of Israel, we will be the ones that will be at that banquet Certainly not the Gentiles, who are often referred to as dogs. But we will be the ones that will sit at that banquet table at the end of the age. It is only the Jewish people. And like my daughter would often do, she'll turn her head and she'll go, really? Is that that right? Is that that true? Jesus hears this. And Jesus has an opportunity to correct. He has an opportunity to share because what they have been told or what they believe, they are misinformed, they are mistaken. And so he shares this parable, follow along. A man once gave a great banquet, invited many, and at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike begin to make what? Excuse. Thank you, one person, Excuses. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them, please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what what you commanded has been done and still there is room And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus is sharing a parable here. If we were doing a training together, I would say, okay, what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly or spiritual meaning. Jesus often talked about parables, whether it's a parable of a sower, a mustard seed, um, a lost coin, a persistent widow, or a prodigal son. He was always sharing a story of the here and now, something that we could all relate to. But underneath that story was a treasure trove of truth regarding the kingdom of God. And so Jesus shares this parable to help and correct their thinking. And the first thing we see is, it's a great banquet. How many of you would agree there are banquets and then there are banquets, okay? And some of us have been to banquets so we think, oh, that was nice. And then some of us walk into a banquet and we think, whoa, bells and whistles. And for the Jewish culture, when they do a banquet, they do a banquet. And what you need to understand about a Jewish culture is this. Food and relationships go hand in hand in a Jewish banquet. That that food is an act of hospitality. It's an act of courtesy. We share our abundance. But that banquet also is a time where relationships are fostered. And people can enjoy each other's company. And so food is just as important as relationship. And relationship is just as important As food, and you don't want to hurry the banquet. How many of you here eat fast? Let's just be honest here at church. Okay, I eat extremely fast, and and I was in Moldova last year, and I'm sitting there, and when I eat, I'm just like, (sighs) I am just sucking it up, and our partner from Moldova goes, Greg, what is wrong? What are you doing?" I said, "I'm eating." He goes, "No, no, no." he goes, "Why, why so fast? Why, why you eat so fast?" He said, "You don't talk, uh, you don't share. There's no relationship here. Are you mad? Are you mad at me?" And I said, "I'm not mad at you." He said, "Well then what are you doing?" He said, "It's just so fast You're just all the time." He goes, "Sit, enjoy. Let's relax. We do that a lot, don't we? And so we see that this is a great banquet. And we see also that many are invited. This is not just a small little venue where there's a casserole and some sloppy joes, okay? This is a venue where it could be a region, a village, a city, but it is beyond your immediate family. And preparations need to be made because the host is inviting people to come to this banquet, and he does not want to be embarrassed by not having enough food for people that are going to show. So it is the butchering or slaughtering of uh, 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 for food of livestock. It is side dishes. It's the plates. It's the silverware. The napkins. So that everything is laid out, and it's beautiful. So what the host will do is he will send a servant out, and he will say to the people, "On such and such day is a great banquet. You are invited." How many of you have ever had gotten in the mail save the date for a wedding? The wedding is not for 10 months, and yet somebody is sending out a save the date. You have the date, but you don't know the hour. And so he will prepare, and so when that hour comes, he will send everyone out, all of his servants, and they will say to the people who have verbally said, we are coming to the banquet, he will say, come and dine It's dinner time. Now, now, they don't actually say that. I'm sure they don't. I mean, I got that from, from Beauty and the Beast. But come and dine. It's dinner time. But they basically say something like that, Okay, It's time to come and enjoy the banquet together. And so the day is set, but the hour is undetermined. And once the preparations are made and ready, it's time to come. That's a beautiful thing. But There's a problem. It's a problem that's going on, that when the host is ready and the host sends out the servants to tell them that it is time to come to the banquet, they all begin to make what? Excuses. They all begin to make excuses. One says, you know what? I just bought a field. I need to go and examine it. Do you see anything strange about that, almost humorous about that? Who buys a field without first having examined it? Okay? That's risky. It's also foolish. And so he said, I, uh, please excuse me. I, I just bought a field. I need to go and examine it. And what you may not know is that when there is a Jewish banquet, it usually occurs just prior to sunset. So this man is leaving just before sunset. Uh, why just before sunset? Because people are done for the day. The work is finished. Uh, The temperature has gone down a little bit, and they come in and they enjoy the evening together. The laughing, the talking, the singing, there's no pressure that they need to go anywhere. And they go into the night. The banquet leads into the night. See, what's happening here is this man says, I need to go and examine the field. Friends, the field is not going anywhere. It's not going to grow legs and run away overnight. It's going to be there tomorrow. But the man is leaving just before sunset. And by the time he were to get out to that field, more than likely, it would be what? Dark. Is this a good excuse, yes or no? No. About three of you said no. Is this a good excuse, yes or no? No, it's not. And then there's another excuse. And someone says, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go and examine them. The NIV says, I need to go and try them out. And like the field, the person buys five oxen without first trying them out. Notice this, by the time he gets to the oxen, by the time he harnesses them, gets them into the field and tries them out so that they work in tandem with each other, it will already be dark. It will already be dark. So what is happening? And who again buys five yoke of oxen without first examining them? I don't think anybody here would buy a used or a new car without first checking it out and taking it for a test drive. And yet this is the excuse that he is giving. Now I want to just take a moment and stop for a second because there is a beautiful application here and I don't want you to miss. Could it be that the field, and could it be that the oxen has taken so much precedent in their lives, that it has captured their attention so much that it has taken them away from the more important things, the more permanent things, the more eternal things that will capture their heart forever. And think about it for you and I. What is your field? What is your oxen that can so quickly that is tangible take you away from that which is most important? Corey Tenboom, who helped a Jewish people survive the Holocaust or escape the Holocaust, said we tend to hold on tightly to our possessions and loosely to the Lord when we should be holding on tightly to the Lord and loosely to our possessions. And then there is a third excuse. Do you see it there? A man says, I just got married to my wife. I can't come. And I would say, so what? Bring her. What a great evening together. Bring her. But he says, uh, I just got married to my wife. I'm not able to come. Listen, if he knew his wedding, because weddings usually are, uh, it takes planning, especially a Jewish wedding. If he knew he was getting married so close to the time that the banquet was, he should have never verbally said he was coming to the wedding. And really as an application here, there are times God wants us to go somewhere and do something, and many times a friend, a relative, a A mother, father, even a spouse can keep us or hindering us from doing something that the Lord wants us to do. And so are these good excuses? No, they are not good excuses. And so we see the response of the master here in this passage. He is angry. And when we use this word anger, we don't mean that the the host has got his fists up and he's ready to punch everyone out that made an excuse. The word anger here means he is visibly frustrated because of the disrespectful and sacrificial response or excuses that had been made. He says, go out quickly, a sense of urgency. And do what? Well, we're told that the host tells the servants to go out uh, beyond them and and bring in the crippled, the lame, the blind, the poor. And their response is, we've already done this. We, We have already done this. And he says, then go out and get those beyond your region. See, the host is upset, not because he's embarrassed that people aren't coming, but the host wants to see his house full. And Jesus wants to see his house full. Now, one seat open. And so he says, go, the ESV says, go to the highway and hedges. Uh, other translations say, go to the roads and country lanes. Go out into those areas you're not familiar with. It's Amish country. That's what it is. I mean, not literally here. But when I think of it, I think of Amish country, where I go down Sugar Creek, Walnut Creek, Baltic, Ohio, Fresno, Fresno Ohio, and I am on a country road, whatever, and I say to my wife, I don't have a clue of where I'm at. I am not familiar with this region, with this area. Why does Jesus say this? Because the Jewish leaders have rejected. They have rejected and declined the invitation to come to Christ. They are making excuses for not seeing Jesus who he is. They do not believe that he is the son of God, the one who can take away the sins of the world. And so they're rejecting it. And Jesus said, if you're going to reject the message, this good news of the gospel of who I am, I will take it to another region. I will take it someplace beyond that you're familiar with. I will take it to the Gentiles. And if you remember in Acts chapter 13, Paul is in a city and he is sharing the gospel and many people are coming to the synagogue and their hearts are gripped. And the next day, it says, almost the whole city came out to hear what Paul had to say. But there were people that came, and they were Jewish people, and they began to try to divide and cause dissension of what Paul was talking about when he was sharing the gospel of Christ. And Paul said, fine, all right? If you're not going to listen to this gospel, if you as Jewish people are not going to accept this invitation, I will take it to the Gentiles, And when the Gentiles heard that the gospel would come to them, they celebrated and rejoiced. How many Gentiles do we have in here today? Well, unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile, okay? So uh, if you're Jewish, great, we'll get you saved. But if, you know, uh, probably most of us are Gentiles in here. Praise God for the Apostle Paul. Praise God for others who are going beyond their region and making an impact for the gospel of Christ. That is what Jesus is getting at in this parable. You are rejecting this invitation, but it will go out to those beyond who you know. John 1, 11 and 13 says, and he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Everybody look up here. This is an invitation for everyone. It is an invitation to every single person to be a part of this banquet at the end of the age. No one is excluded, not the Jewish people and not the Gentile people. What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with missions? What do we learn from this? The first thing is this. We can do life and miss the moment. Anyone? You are cranking it out and cranking it out and cranking it out, and you're going from one thing to another, one thing to another. And when I say, hey, how are you doing? Many of us will say what? I am so busy. I'm so busy. And we are just doing life, but we're missing the moment. The Pharisees that are with Jesus that day, they're doing life. They know the law, but they're missing the moment. They're missing the moment of understanding who Jesus is, the Son of God who can take away the sins of the world. And I think we can do it too. We're so caught up with our field. We're so caught up with our oxen. We're so caught up in our relationships that we miss the more permanent, eternal value of things and of who he is. We can do ministry, or we can do life and miss the moment. Uh, there's a saying: If the enemy can't get you to do something wrong, he'll get you to do something busy. Second, there are missed opportunities, and then there are opportunities you don't want to miss. How many of you have ever missed out on an opportunity? Somebody's come to you and said, "Oh, you got to be a part of this. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic. You got to come with me. We got to go see this person or do that," and we say, "I can't." I I just can't. We, We think of some excuse and they come back and they go, it was absolutely incredible. Changed everything. Many of us sitting here miss out on opportunities. Can I just encourage you for a second this morning? There's a worldwide opportunity in that lobby of what's going on regional, what's going on overseas. Don't miss it. Be involved. Certainly, I would love to pitch about Equip Ministries and our pastor's packets and just to give to that, but there are so many ministries out there that are worthy of praying for and helping out and being a part of. You don't want to miss out on that opportunity. That has happened to me a number of times, and I don't want to miss out on the things that God has for us. Beware of thinking you're in when you're not. You know, we live in a culture right now where there are many that think that they're in. They think that they will get to heaven because I'm good, I'm moral, I do good works, I have some kind of merit. When God uh, balances everything at the end of the age, I'll come out on top. Be careful, friends. There is no other name by which man can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. For by grace you're saved through faith and not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works lest anyone boast. It's not about how much we can do. That's religion. Religion is man trying to reach up to God and saying, have I done enough? Have I done enough? But Jesus in a relationship with him reaches down and says, you'll never be able to do enough. Let me save you and set your feet on a solid rock. That's what it means. So be careful when we think, I'm in, when in reality, we may not be. These teachers of the law thought they were in, because we're descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when in reality, they were not. Entrance to the banquet requires an active response to Jesus' invitation. No response is a response. And there is no valid excuse for missing the banquet. I want to just share something real quick that just is frustrating, just very frustrating, and I think you would agree. When I go to Honduras, and I, went, I was in Honduras in, in August, and I helped with the medical mission. I have no medical training whatsoever in my life. But I went down to share Christ because these people are coming to a hospital, and they're sitting there waiting for their name to be called, sometimes a 100 at a time, every hour on the hour. And I walk out, And I share the good news of Jesus Christ. And every single person listens. Every single person is respectful. And the amount of people that respond to the gospel by saying, I want Jesus in my life, is amazing. And yet, when I come back to the United States and I try to share Christ with somebody, I don't want to hear it. There's no respect. There's no response. There's just indifference. And that's frustrating. That's frustrating. That doesn't mean that we stop, but it's frustrating. Uh, Entrance to the banquet requires an active response to Jesus' invitation. And when I see people raising their hands at a prison in Chiang Rai, Thailand, 4,700 prisoners, and we have the privilege of being able to uh, uh, talk with 400 of them who have just been there for a month or two and we share the gospel and almost every hand goes up. My first thought is it wasn't translated correctly. Not every hand could be raised and yet every hand is raised and the translation is accurate. It takes an active response. The great banquet will have a huge and diverse popularity. The banquet is inclusive it's open to all who call upon him. It's not exclusive. It wasn't, it's not just for the Jews. It's for all. It's for all. There will be a day in heaven when there will be this gathering, a group of people from Guatemala, and they will not have a sign that says, we are from Guatemala. We are from Guatemala. We are, no. There will not be a sign from those from Moldova saying, "Ah, uh, we are from Moldova. We are from Moldova. No. And there will not be a sign from those of us to the United States that will say, ah, yes, but we are from the United States. We are from the United States. No, we will all be what? One. We will all be one. And how do we know that? Because in Revelation chapter 9, or chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says this. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, tribe and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of God. There will be so many people from different, different races and different countries, and we will all be one. It's an incredible invitation. What is our responsibility? What is our responsibility is this last one. We're merely inviting people in the Jesus family. Maybe you'll never get to Cambodia. Maybe you'll never be in the Dominican Republic. But you can make a difference and invite people to be a part of the family of God that live across the street. A bank teller. Someone you get to know. Someone you've been working with for 20 years, but you've never shared Christ with them. We're merely inviting people into Jesus' family. Romans tells us, how will they know unless we tell them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Friends, there is nothing attractive about feet. Let's be honest, There's no, except mine. There's nothing attractive about feet. But it is where those feet are going and the impact that they're making That's what makes it beautiful when we go from our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. If you have put your trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you will be at that banquet at the end of the age. And if I get there before you, I'll leave you a seat. And if you get there before me, you know what to do. I had a chance to go to Malawi, Africa in 2005. I did not want to go. I was with the ministry where the founder said, Craig, you will go to Malawi, Africa. He was sick. He was not able to go. I am fighting with God all the way over to Malawi, Africa. I don't want to go. I don't want to be here, Lord. And Malawi, Africa is called the warm heart of Africa because the people are extremely generous and warm. And that week, there was a day where we were going way out into the village. Hours and hours we were driving. It is 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting into a Land Rover. And I'm sweating so bad, I look like a glazed donut. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And we go from asphalt to gravel to a dirt road to pretty much making our own road. And we are about a quarter of a mile out from the village. The man who is the chief of the village had come to know the Lord and said, please come and share the gospel. As we're making our way to the village, I noticed there are children out in the field playing soccer with rolled up pieces of plastic because they cannot afford a soccer ball. A bunch of Walmart bags all crumbled up and tied up to make a soccer ball. And when they saw the Land Rover, they turned and their eyes got huge. And I heard them say, Azungu, Azungu. And the word Azungu means white man. In my translation, it's tall, attractive white man. But, but Azungu. And all the way to the village, I hear him saying this. And word carries, by the time we got to the village, the whole village is standing there. And I get out of the car and this is what I hear. silence. And then someone says, Azungu. A couple more people, Azungu. All of a sudden everybody's going, Azungu, Azungu. And I'm looking for the big pot that's boiling with water. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, what is going on here? And there were these kids and all they wanted to do was touch my skin. They never have been able to do that. They've never seen anybody white. And they kept coming up, and they were so close, but they would back up. And there was a little eight-year-old boy who took a risk, and he walked up and he grabbed my arm. And the moment he grabbed my arm, it released everyone, and everyone came flying in and was touching me. It just took one person, one person to take a risk, to step out, to do what was right, and everyone followed. You be that one person. Don't worry about what's going on in our culture right now. You'll get depressed. But think about how you are merely inviting people into Jesus' family. What motivates you to get up every day, of every week, of every month, throughout every year, and do something that will make an impact not just for today, but for eternity? In doing so, we will glorify God. And all that we do and all that we say. And that is it for this week's message. If you have any questions or you'd like to get in touch, send us a text to our new texting number 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life/connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's day and we'll see you next week.